0: Welcome to the Bulgarian History Podcast, Episode 56, Looking Back on the Second Bulgarian Empire, Part 2. Now first, I've got a little bit of a cold. This is recorded in uh, Ruse on the road with some different audio equipment, so if anything sounds a bit different, that's why. Uh, it's been a little tricky recording over the holidays uh, with this sickness, so uh, pardon me there. Besides that, there's no new Patreon supporters since a couple days ago when I got through the last episode, so we can jump right in. After a few years of peace allowed Bulgaria to return and kind of recover its strength, Tsar Theodor Svetoslav went back on the offensive against the Byzantines. He quickly took a number of important cities on and near the Black Sea. A Byzantine army eventually met them, but was tricked into crossing a bridge that had been set to collapse. The Byzantines were massacred. Still, the war dragged on for years, until finally a marriage brought peace and recognition of Bulgaria's territorial gains. Now, Bulgaria was finally at peace, without any more Tatar raids and getting a much-needed break. But at this time, the Ottomans were establishing themselves in Anatolia as the Byzantines had been focusing on Europe for the past few decades. As the Ottoman Sultan Osman established his state there, Byzantine territory gradually faded away in the region. Now this went on for some years, until the Byzantine Empire kind of slipped into one of its many civil wars within its ruling dynasty. The first of these is between a grandson and his grandfather. The grandson promised huge tax breaks to landowners in exchange for their support, undermining the state's long-term tax-raising abilities. The family members eventually came to a power-sharing agreement and made peace. But just then, Tsar Theodore finally died and was succeeded by Tsar George the II. And within a year, that Byzantine war had restarted. The new Tsar tried to take advantage of this war and gain some territory, but failed. He died shortly after of na- natural causes, leading to a potential succession crisis. But this was averted when the boyars agreed to elect Mi- Michael Shishman, a distant relation to the Asen dynasty and despot of Vidin, as the new Tsar. In Anatolia, the founder of the Ottomans, Osman, finally died and his son Orhan took over just as they began to conquer Bursa and make it their new capital. In the meantime, the younger half of the Byzantine civil war, the grandson that is, was laying siege to Philippopolis, and so Michael Shishman had to hold on to this important city. He put a top commander on the job and went off raiding in Thrace. This worked and the Byzantines eventually withdrew. That is until the pro Byzantine population let some soldiers in to capture the city after the siege was over. The next year, Shishman invaded again, penetrating deep into Byzantine territory. When confronted by the young leader of one side of that Byzantine Civil War, instead of fighting, they entered into negotiations for Shishman to help in exchange for a Byzantine princess. Shishman would divorce his wife of twenty five years for the new marriage, and That alliance. So that new marriage kind of marked a shift away from the old Serbian alliance, which was marked by his previous wife, to this new Byzantine direction. A year later, the latest round of this Byzantine civil war ended, having already devastated that empire and created space for the Ottomans to expand in Anatolia. But shortly after, the same civil war began anew. Bulgaria leveraged its new position as an ally of one side to gain land, money, and promises of military assistance in exchange for its help. But when that side began winning, winning too easily, that is, Tsar saw that the deal might not be needed, and pretended to switch sides, but was actually attempting to take Constantinople for himself. This failed, and Bulgaria's involvement in the civil war ended when neither side would really trust it as a fair ally. Finally, the next year, the younger Andronicus, the grandson, won the civil war. Shishman took this moment and invaded, having gaining some nice rewards in a treaty which resulted. But Serbia was now a concern. During that civil war, it had expanded deep into Macedonia and now threatened Bulgaria. In response, the Byzantines and Bulgarians allied with each other to fight against this growing Serbian threat. Around this time, the Byzantines tried to curb growing Ottoman power in Anatolia, but were utterly defeated. In spite of this defeat, the joint war against Serbia still began the next year. Both sides mustered large armies, complete with far-flung mercenaries. The Bulgarians won the first day's fighting, but, thinking a truce was in effect, they were ambushed on the second day and massacred. Tsar Shishman was captured and killed. His son, Ivan Stefan, became the new Tsar. As he was the son of this divorced Serbian wife, the first wife of his father, his rule marked a shift back away from the Byzantines and towards the Serbians. They responded, the Byzantines, by invading Bulgaria and taking some territory. Partly as a result of this loss, within two years this new child Tsar was overthrown in a coup and fled to Nice, which was controlled by his uncle. That uncle quickly deplare, declared independence in Viden, and so this second marriage of Shishman had already now caused some kind of a rift in an almost civil war within Bulgaria. The Tsar was replaced by the despot of Lovich, Ivan Alexander, ending the Shishman dynasty and beginning the Strazimir one. But this didn't mean Bulgaria would move away from Serbia and towards the Byzantines again, as the new Tsar actually invaded Byzantine territory, taking what had recently been lost to them. Civil war, in fact, meant that Bulgaria didn't have to worry about Serbia, as a war between both powers would have been a catastrophe. To prevent this from happening, the Tsar's sister married the Serbian king. Soon, Ivan Alexander was campaigning to retake Vidin. And while he was distracted, the Byzantines took some territory that he had just taken back from them, just sort of jumping back and forth between them. He quickly moved his forces to face them, rushing to cross the country in just five days. The Byzantines were defeated and forced to retreat to a fortress where they were besieged. A deal was struck, giving Bulgaria territory back and creating a marriage alliance. Bulgaria now had marriage alliances with both Serbia and Constantinople meaning that it could feel safe and focus on retaking Vidin after it had declared its independence. But this was easier said than done. Taking the great fortress at Vidin took a full five years. But it was completed, and Bulgaria took some time to consolidate. After a few years, in which the Serbs and the Ottomans both expanded their territory while the Byzantines lost ground, the Byzantines were hit by another civil war. The Serbs quickly got involved and used this chance to take even more Byzantine territory, while a Turkish force was brought in to help the other side, causing even more damage to Byzantine lands itself. Finally, the losing side agreed to give Bulgaria more territory in exchange for help in the civil war. And this was really the pattern of these Byzantine wars. Each side would give more and more to different foreign powers in order to help them win the throne in Constantinople this one took a full six years of bloodshed before it ended. Ultimately, the Byzantine Empire was about half as big as it had been at the start. But it was also during this war that Ottoman raids on the Balkans, including Bulgaria, began. So in other words, the Byzantine Civil War may have sort of aided the Serbs and maybe a little bit the Bulgarians, but ultimately everyone lost at the expense of the Ottomans. To recover, the Byzantines needed cash. And so they attempted to take more customs duties that had been going to the Genoese and rebuild the Byzantine navy to challenge them. Genoa quickly declared war and destroyed the new fleet that the Byzantines had just built. The Byzantines responded by attacking the Genoese colony across the the Golden Horn and from Constantinople and were successful. And so within about two years, peace was reached. The Byzantines got a little bit more money, but long-term, this really didn't help their finances, and they remained basically broke. At this time, Tsar Ivan Alexander divorced his Wallachian wife and married a Jewish woman from Turnival, setting up a new potential civil war between the children of these two marriages, just as had happened with previous Tsars. But then, one son was killed in an Ottoman raid, leaving only two left from the previous marriage. The Byzantines ended up in yet another civil war, and the Ottomans gained a fortress in Europe. But shortly after, the Byzantines tried to retake territory from Serbia while it was busy fighting in Bosnia, and succeeded. Now, the Byzantines had some success here, but they were really getting desperate, and they reached out to Bulgaria for an alliance, but were rebuffed. Soon, in the midst of all this weakness, yet another Byzantine civil war started. Once again, each side gave concessions to various foreign powers in order to ally with them. But by this point, a minority of the soldiers even fighting were Byzantines. It was basically the Byzantines paying a bunch of foreign soldiers to fight a war for them. And so, a few more bloody years and a new resolution was agreed to. Now around this time, yet another of the Tsar's children was killed in battle with the Ottomans, leaving a single one left from his first marriage. The Tsar responded by making the youngest child of his second marriage, the new co-emperor and heir to the throne, leaving his remaining son from his first marriage, Despot in Vidin, and setting up future conflict. Serbia's power, on the other hand, had been growing for decades, and its great Tsar Dushan finally died around this time. Bulgaria took this chance to create yet another Byzantine alliance, ostensibly to combat the growing Ottoman threat now that Serbia was a bit weaker and kind of ready for this. Soon though, in response to getting disinherited, that remaining son from the Tsar's first marriage declared himself Tsar in Vidin, effectively declaring independence from Turnovol. Dobruja also more or less became independent around this time. And so, both Bulgaria and Serbia were fragmenting. Serbia now had a weak ruler to replace the strong Tsar Tsardushan, and so there was sort of fragmentation across the Balkans. And at this time as well, the Ottoman uh, sultan's eldest son himself fell off his horse and died. And shortly after, the sultan himself also died. So he was succeeded by his son Murad. But in spite of what seemed like a setback from the Ottomans, their raids on the Balkans really continued unabated. And they soon moved their capital from Bursa in Anatolia to newly captured Edirne, or Adrianople, in Europe marking a major shift in the Ottomans from Anatolia to the Balkans. Also, during the reign of Murad, the Janissary system was established in its earliest form. The state also shifted from raiding to outright conquering large amounts of Balkan territory, solidifying the the Ottoman status as a new Balkan power. But that wasn't going to go unchecked. In 1363, the Pope helped orchestrate a European force, mostly Hungarians, to fight the Ottomans. However, this army began by demanding that Ivan Stratzimir, the despot of Vidin, become a vassal, and invading his territory when he refused. Vidin was quickly conquered, and Stratzimir was imprisoned. The Hungarians set about converting the population to Catholicism, but this failed completely, and only really created resentment. But there was still a desire to fight the Ottomans, and so the Byzantine Emperor personally visited the Hungarian capital to ask. The Hungarians were interested, but not really in a rush. The Byzantine Emperor was actually kidnapped by Bulgarians on his way home, which prompted the Emperor's cousin, who was uh, leading a crusading force of Western Europeans against the Ottomans, to reroute his forces and attack Bulgaria instead. This led to many bloody battles, and the emperor was eventually released and agreed to pay for the war that freed him. But now, the armies were spent fighting the Bulgarians and had no energy to actually fight the Ottomans, which is what they had come to do. Following this war, Ivan Alexander refocused his efforts on taking Vidin and freeing his son. In 1368, Bulgarian, Wallachian, and Dobrujan forces invaded and laid siege to the city and retook it. The Hungarians invaded Wallachia in retaliations, but they were defeated there. At the same time, a popular anti-Catholic uprising made it clear that Hungary really couldn't control Vidin, and so eventually the king of Hungary allowed Ivan Strazimir to return. But Stratzimir was now a Catholic himself. He had already converted and agreed to become a Hungarian vassal. And so really, the whole affair was kind of a waste of time for the Bulgarians. But even if the Hungarians wouldn't do much to challenge the Ottomans, the Bulgarians and Serbs were attempting to gather their forces to do just that. But just as they were organizing, both of their tsars died. The Serbian leader died without an heir, marking the beginning of an even more fragmented period for this recently powerful empire, while Ivan Alexander's passing marked the end of a turbulent but culturally prodigious 40-year reign. But his focus, Ivan Alexander's focus rather, on cultivating that culture of his empire really translated into a lack of focus on how a state could resist the growing Ottoman threat. And so with his death, the eldest son of his second marriage, Ivan Shishvan, became the new tsar, And again, this kind of set up a potential civil war between the children of his two wives. And so, yeah, you can imagine, this did not sit well with the older half-brother in Vidin, who felt that he should have been the successor. And so the new tsars coming to power began conflict. While Bulgaria was fighting within itself, some Serbian and Greek magnates gathered an army to challenge the Ottomans themselves. This army stopped to rest on the banks of the Moritza River, got drunk, and were attacked and massacred by the Ottomans. Just like that. Two of Serbia's greatest leaders, and many of its soldiers were killed, opening the way for more Ottoman expansion into that region. Soon, the Byzantine emperor became an Ottoman vassal himself, triggering yet another civil war. Ironically enough, the Ottomans themselves also fractured, with the son of the sultan joining the son of the emperor to rebel. But the fathers won the day, and the Ottoman son was executed while the Byzantine son was blinded. Once the Civil War was over, the Ottomans began slowly conquering the various fortresses of the Rhodopi Mountains. Once this had been completed, the Bulgarian Tsar, as well as his half-brother in Vidin, agreed to join the Byzantines and become Ottoman vassals as well, paying an annual tax and providing soldiers. Soon, another civil war came to Byzantium, with Venice, Genoa, and the Ottomans all being deeply involved. Just as before, Uh, each civil war was further, further weakening the Byzantines and strengthening the Ottomans. Also around this time, Sultan Murad established the Devshirme, called by some the Blood Tax, whereby young boys from the Balkans would be taken, converted to Islam, and raised as soldiers and administrators. Now there's more details in the actual episode on this, but just always to point out that this was a very complex system that had many sides and evolved over the centuries. By 1381, Ottoman expansion really seemed unstoppable. But then, an army led by the Serbian Prince Lazar finally defeated the Ottomans. But still, it was a temporary setback. Shortly after, a war broke out between Bulgaria proper on one side and Wallachia and Vidin on the other side. So just when Bulgaria needed to really resist the Ottomans, there's sort of this inter-ally war. All sides were ultimately weakened and nobody made any significant territorial gains. And, of course, during the war, the Ottomans conquered the city of Sofia. The Ottomans also expanded into a proxy war in Albania between a Serbian and Albanian lord. The result was a Serbian defeat, which led the way for the Ottomans to expand more into Albanian territory. The Ottomans then also expanded into southern Serbia. This was successful until an Ottoman army moving toward Albania was ambushed and destroyed by the Serbs. The Ottomans progressed nonetheless, taking Thessaloniki soon afterwards. And it was another example that, as opposed to the Serbs and the Bulgarians, as well as the Byzantines, the Ottomans were the only force in the Balkans that had soldiers to waste, that they could afford losing an army, they could replace it. But still, resistance to them wasn't over. In 1388, Tsar Ivan Shishman declared his independence, bringing an Ottoman army to bring back to sort of return him to Ottoman vassalhood. Shishman fled the capital and quickly surrendered, so his declaration of independence really went nowhere. But then he heard that Lazar, Serbia, was coming to aid him, and so he decided to actually continue fighting. However, Lazar never came, and the Ottomans simply conquered more Bulgarian territory. The country was now further under Ottoman dominance, and even Ivan Stratimir and Vidin agreed to become a vassal himself. So in spite of these successes, Another lost army in Bosnia convinced Lazar to gather his forces for a major showdown. Once again, these sort of uh, Balkan forces decided to really try to meet the Ottomans and defeat them. The major Serbian army with Bosnian contingents and the Ottoman army met in Kosovo. And by the end, the Serbs had possibly supposedly been betrayed, both armies took massive casualties and lost their respective leaders. So Lazar died as well as the Sultan. But once again, just as with these previous battles, the Ottomans could replace their losses and the Serbs simply could not. So this actually marked the beginning of even more Serbian nobles becoming Ottoman vassals, and the Ottomans expanding even more quickly into Serbian territory. Seeing an opportunity, King Sigismund of Hungary took this moment to invade Serbia from the north. In the meantime, the grandson of the Byzantine Emperor decided it was time for another rebellion. This one succeeded, but only for about five months, and the throne was then retaken, and the boy had to flee to the Ottomans. They, following the Battle of Kosovo, were kind of shifting their focus on shoring up their holdings in Anatolia for a change. But long story short, in Anatolia, the Ottomans kept conquering and were expanding as well in the Balkans, finally taking Skopje and convincing the last of these powerful Serbian nobles to become vassals. But still, there were talks between Bulgaria and Hungary about a new anti-Ottoman campaign. When the sultan found out about these plans, he invaded Bulgaria immediately to punish it. Turnovol was conquered And Bulgaria brought under full Ottoman control, except for a few cities along the Danube, where Ivan Shishman would continue to rule. The Ottomans continued invading Wallachia, but barely escaping yet another ambush and being forced to retreat. Still, the Ottomans took this moment to conquer the last of Bulgaria's holdings, including Vidin, and the last remaining members of the Bulgarian royal family were scattered, one converting to Islam, another fleeing to Hungary, the remaining losing their lives. But just at this moment, King Sigismund gathered a large army of Western European knights and ferried them down the Danube to challenge the Ottomans. They were first welcomed into Vidin before moving on to take one Danubian fortress city after another. Eventually they reached Nicopolis and settled into a siege. When the Ottoman army arrived, these crusaders fell prey to their own arrogance the Western knights were more concerned with honour than military prudence. And so they rushed into well-prepared Ottoman positions, thinking it would be an easy victory. It wasn't, and they were ultimately surrounded and nearly all killed or captured. The loss was a huge blow to the West. They said people in the streets of Paris were weeping at the loss of so many brave knights. And even more importantly, this loss made it extremely unlikely that the West would challenge the Ottomans again anytime soon. They had simply lost their appetite for it. And so the Balkans were now left to their fate, left to face the Ottomans alone. Ivan Stratsimir, possibly the last Tsar, depending on how what you want to look at it, was most likely strangled by the Ottomans following the retaking of Vidin, And so the Second Bulgarian Empire ended. Now, before we get to the first episodes covering Bulgaria during the Ottoman period, I thought I should mention that I'm going to cover the period of Ottoman domination much the same way I covered the period of Byzantine domination. And so, as opposed to many Bulgarian history textbooks, which kind of skim over several centuries of Ottoman history, I intend to cover it in full. Now, why, you might be asking? Because I really believe that Ottoman history, from this point on, is Bulgarian history. Bulgarians will fight in Ottoman armies, they will pay Ottoman taxes, they will live under Ottoman laws, they will experience all kinds of ups and downs, but each shift of the history of that empire is going to affect the Bulgarians living within it. And so for this reason, I believe that it deserves to be covered. So next time, we'll start with the period of Ottoman domination. And it's going to last five centuries, so be ready for that. This episode was written and produced by me, Eric Halsey. The theme music was written and performed by Teddy Raven. As always, успех, or in English, good luck.